Our text today is in Luke chapter 2, our Christmas text, Luke chapter 2, and also chapter 1, Luke chapter 1 and 2, as we consider our Christmas text for today. My mother was a quiet woman. She didn't spend time chatting with people. I think about the reasons for her quiet ways and how she came to be that way. Both of her parents died at 56 years of age, which left her an orphan as a young teenager. And she and her uh, older sister, Barbara, when they became orphans, were taken in by a local merchant who ran a five and dime. He had a small apartment over his store, and the two sisters worked in the store for their keep. Now, Sister Barbara was a champion talker. (laughs) She could put up a constant barrage of syllables at all times. And Uncle Ed used to say that Barbara could drive an empty room crazy, the way she talked. I remember a group of us were sitting in the living room at Uncle Ed's, and Barbara was with us, and she just talked constantly. And one by one, people got up, and they moved out onto the porch on a nice summer's evening. I got up and went and sat on the porch by a window where I could look inside. And finally, everybody in the room left and came out on the porch except for Barbara. And when I looked through the window, she was sitting all by herself, still talking. Uncle Ed was right. She could drive an empty room crazy. So I came to the conclusion that when my mother and sister Barbara lived together, that mom couldn't get a word in edgewise. So she became a quiet person. I also noticed that when Barbara talked, nobody really listened. And when mom talked you paid close attention because she only spoke when there was something important to say. She did not waste words. And the old saying was true for her that brevity is the soul of wit. Now in the story of the first Christmas, Dr. Luke, who tells us the most about what happened on that event, unfolds the story of a very quiet person. It's a beautiful portrait of a very special person, and it is told in a very clever style of writing. And when we talk about Mary, the mother of Jesus, we know that some people have set her on a pedestal and worshipped her and prayed to her regularly. That was not Dr. Luke's intention when he wrote the Christmas story. But after all, she was chosen by God to be the mother of Jesus. And Luke said he talked to eyewitnesses when he wrote this story. I'm sure he was very close to Mary, heard from her own mouth the firsthand account of Jesus' birth. So what made her so special? What was she like? She came to Bethlehem. When she was nine months pregnant and delivered her firstborn son in a stable. Shepherds came to that stable with an amazing story of angels who announced the baby Jesus' arrival. And if you'll notice the sequence of events, Luke chapter 2, 
beginning at verse number 15. It came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us go now even to Bethlehem and see the thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste, found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told by the shepherd. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Notice the word but. Everybody's talking except Mary. But Mary, it says, kept all these things. She thought deeply about what had happened. She didn't repeat them over and over. She kept them quietly in her heart. That was her nature. Twelve years later, Mary and Joseph take Jesus to Jerusalem for a Passover. They lost the 12-year-old Jesus and went searching for him and finally found him sitting with the doctors and the educated men discussing deep truths. Mary's reaction is given to us in Luke 2, verse 51. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, but was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. After 12 years, she is still quietly thinking about her oldest son, still keeping things to herself. My friends, one of God's greatest gifts to the human race is the ability to have babies. Angels do not have babies. Only humans can have babies. And anyone who's been around babies knows how wonderful babies can be. My first reaction to the birth of both my children was, who is that? Who are they? Babies are a mystery. They're unable to talk. They're weak and helpless. We care for them with love. But we can't help but wonder, who are they? What is their personality? And we watch for signs As they begin to grow, we always wonder, are they happy? They seem to let us know when they're not, right? We always wonder, are they happy? And when they first smile, we always say, they probably got gas, but looks like a smile to me. And we hope they are expressing joy. So, can you imagine what Mary thought? She held baby Jesus close in her arms and looked into his eyes and she said, Who are you? And one of the first things I had as a new parent was uh, I was thinking, How much influence can I have on these little babies to mold and form their personalities? Now, my friends, like it or not, we often turn out to be just like our parents, right? (laughs) When I do certain things, my wife calls me Odie, my father's name. She says, you're just like your father. And so sometimes I call her Clara because she can be like her mother. And when I had babies, that thought scared me. That thought scared me because I thought, wow, 
do I want these babies to turn out like me? <laughs> I better straighten up and fly right if I'm going to be a parent. Can you imagine what Mary thought when she looked at baby Jesus? She knew because she was told that this was the Son of God. And she must have thought, how am I ever going to raise him? What will he be like? How will I ever influence him for good? No wonder she's always pondering everything in her heart, trying to figure out what to do with this baby. Now certainly, if any baby was ever a mystery, this baby lying in the manger is a complete mystery. Now my friends, I've been reading a lot of commentators, a lot of preachers and theologians' comments about the birth of Jesus. And often they say, poor Mary... She was uneducated. She was not a theologian. How could she possibly understand the incarnation or God coming in the flesh? She couldn't possibly understand what was happening to her. Well, to all those high and lofty theologians, I say, neither do you. You're not so highly educated that you can grasp the mysterious birth of Jesus. I certainly can't explain how the eternal Son of God went inside Mary and was formed in her womb. But I think that Mary knew more than you might think. And maybe if we take a closer look, we might learn from Mary something that would help us to understand the story behind Christmas. So we turn back a chapter to chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, Luke tells two stories. Some angel comes down to earth. It's the same angel who comes twice. Sent with a message. And he visits two different people. It's the very same message that the angel delivers to two different people. The message is this. You will have a baby. The first person to receive that message was named Zacharias. He's a priest. He's worked as a priest in the temple in Jerusalem for years. He's been making sacrifices, doing services, praying prayers. You could say that he was a trained theologian. As a matter of fact, he's in the holy place of the temple alone, burning incense when the angel appears to him. The second person in Luke 1 has the same angel come to her house. She's home alone in Nazareth. Now we think she's a teenager, probably 18 or 19 years old. The Bible doesn't say exactly, so we can't be sure. But we try to guess at her age because, first of all, it says she is espoused to a man, Joseph. A spouse to be married. In our culture, we don't have anything quite like a spousal. We have engagement, which is a promise to be married at a later date. That's as close as we come to a spousal. In a spousal, it was more like a written contract. 
more than just a promise. It was a binding contract. And it was something young ladies did in their late teenage years. And often a man older than them agreed to take the young ladies for a wife at a future date. So they signed away the paper. Now we think Joseph was older than Mary, maybe by quite a few years, maybe a man in his late 20s or even older. All we know is that after Jesus was 12 years old and before he was 30, Joseph died. He's gone out of the picture. So we think Mary was a teenager when she had the baby Jesus, maybe 18 or 19 years old. And the point of that is that she's certainly not a theologian. So one angel, Gabriel, tells two people, Zacharias the priest and Mary the teenager, that they can expect a baby to arrive in the near future. Now the fascinating part of that story is the different responses to the good news. Zechariah, the trained theologian, the priest, says to the angel in reply, Yeah, right. We're too old to have babies. And because of his negative attitude, the angel says, For that response, I'm going to make it so you can't talk until after the baby's born. <laughs> and so for nine months, Zacharias can't speak a single word. That's the theologian. But Mary has a whole different experience. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 26. On the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? It's a natural question perfectly normal question. I'm not married yet. I don't have a husband. How am I going to have a baby? Verse 35, the angel answered and said unto her, Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth has also conceived in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called bare. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. Notice, quiet Mary. She's not a talker. She's got one question. I'm not married. How am I going to have a baby? Gabriel explains that the baby will be the son of God. Then her beautiful response is just one sentence. Let it be just like you said. Short, to the point, the soul of wit, 
No extra words, a brief response, but full of meaning. Because when quiet people talk, you need to pay attention. They usually have something important to say. Now the real question about Mary is how did she get to be chosen to be the mother of baby Jesus? What qualities did she have? What character traits did she display that made her the choice to be the mother of the Son of God? Well, it's hard to tell because she doesn't say much. She keeps things buried down deep inside. Well, we do have one example in the Bible where Mary said something out loud. The angel told Mary that her cousin Elizabeth was going to have a baby, so Mary left Nazareth to visit her cousin. And much to her surprise, apparently this angel had also told Elizabeth that Mary was going to have a baby. So when Mary knocks on Elizabeth's door, Elizabeth says, Well, well, the mother of my Lord has come for a visit. Mary is so happy that Elizabeth greets her with those special words, the mother of my Lord. She bursts into a flurry of words and pours out her heart. Now, we finally get a chance to look into Mary's heart and find there what has been building up. Finally, the mouth reveals the secrets of her heart. Now, Luke, it's in Luke chapter 1. I timed it. Takes me 30 seconds to read it. There's eight sentences. No wasted words at all. So it's not much. A lot of people talk a lot more than that. Okay, It's not much. But let's think about it. Let's see what this quiet girl has to say. Luke 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. I love that word, magnify. To magnify something is to make it bigger, to enlarge it. Mary said, God is becoming bigger and bigger in my life until he's the biggest thing there is. He's number one in my life. He's everything to me. And he made me so happy down deep inside. My friends, a question for you this Christmas season is how big is God in your life? Is he the biggest thing that you have? My friends, God has put in every human heart a desire for God. There's an empty spot in every human heart that only God can fill. Everything else that this world's offered cannot fill that empty spot. Wise old Solomon said that everything that the world offers is vanity, vanity. And finally he said, all vanity. Or that word means useless. Useless. It only leaves you empty what the world offers. And then wise old Solomon said this, God put eternity in the heart of man. That is inside of every person there's a desire for something that will last forever. So if every person has this hunger, if every person has this desire, if every person has this empty spot, then why doesn't every person believe in God? 
It's because some people just plain ignore it. Other people avoid it. Some people despise it. They do nothing to respond to that inner need. They refuse to submit to the possibility that God is what they need. But other people, people like Mary, and especially Mary, open their hearts up to God and say, God, come in. Use me and fill me, God. My friends, God came into Mary and God used Mary and God filled Mary like he never filled anyone else before or since. When Mary said, go ahead, use me, let it be to me just like you said, she displayed an open willingness to be used and filled and threw open her life for God to fill. My friends, you don't have to be a theologian to do that. That's why Mary was chosen. She's so willing, so open to God. A teenager, young girl, yeah, why not? Why not? Is she proud? Does she think she's someone special? Verse 48. He hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. Behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed for he that is mighty has done to me great things holy in his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. She says, I'm nobody. The description of Mary by her own words is that I am a person of low estate. I am not significant. I am not important. I'm a just plain ordinary girl. And God did something special for me. And then I think she gives a little slip of the tongue. <laughs> Some people, she says, fear God from generation to generation. Now, no doubt, it's a reference to Mary's parents and to her grandparents. People who raised her and influenced her and set a good example for her. What a gift they gave to Mary. When they taught her, be open to God. Let God in. And Mary followed their lead. And Mary thinks back to her heritage and to her family. Verse 51. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He, she says, we were nothing. No theologians, no Pharisees. No educated people living in Nazareth, despised by the aristocracy, insignificant by all standards. But God chose us to do his will. He ignored all the famous people. He ignored all the great people. Instead, chose a teenage girl to bring Messiah into the world. And now she gets right down to the nitty gritty. Verse 53. He has filled the hungry with good things. The rich he sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. God promised Abraham that his family would bless every family on earth. Here's the promise fulfilled. I'm going to have a baby who's the son of God. Why? 
Because there's really only two classes of people, Mary says. There's hungry people and there's rich people. Now she doesn't mean rich in money so much. Rich people who believe that they have everything they need, that everything they want comes from their own heart and their own supply. I don't need God. I got everything I ever wanted. And those people who are self-sufficient, Mary said, they go away empty. Ah, but God sees the hungry people. God sees the people who feel the need of something better, something more in their life. Their hunger drives them to search and seek for that which will satisfy the empty spot in their heart. Those people, says Mary, are filled with good things. My friends, if you feel that hunger, if you sense that need, Mary says, my baby is going to be all you ever need. My baby will grant you the desires of your heart. How big is God in your life? Be like Mary. Magnify him. Let him be larger. Let him be bigger than everything else. It's the pathway to joy and happiness. Let the theologians argue. Let them argue. Let them question God. God has shut the mouths of the theologians when he chose Mary. He looks for people like Mary did and say, who will say, God, do to me whatever you want. Just like you said, I open my life, do with me whatever you want. So Merry Christmas to all. Jesus has come. To the young people, he's come. The teenagers, he's come. The faithful and true people. He has come. Let God come in and do for you what he did for Mary. Fill you up with joy, peace on earth, and goodwill towards men. Quiet Mary opened her heart just for a moment, and we saw all the good things that were in her heart. Now it makes sense. She was chosen to be the mother of God. I'm glad God chose her to be the mother of God. She's a perfect candidate. And I would say to you, this Christmas season, God has plans for you if you'll open your heart to him. So God bless you all. Merry Christmas to you all. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the story of Mary, how it guides us, helps us to trust. And we believe in you, have confidence in you and in all that you do. So help us that we might be faithful and true. Open our hearts up and fill that empty spot in this season. May we let it be filled with God and all that he is. That we might find in you everything we need. Bless us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn books to number 376. In the bleak with midwinter, it's a song that talks about Mary and her baby and how she felt towards him. Standing as we sing, 376, in the bleak midwinter.
you, make you large as we can in our lives, and may all other things fade away, may we be obedient and willing to put in and do whatever it is that you have put before us, whatever it is you would have us to do, let it happen to us and let us be willing to see what great and mighty thing you can do. We know that Mary had baby Jesus so many years ago, and it was a wonder that changed the world. And it was all in your plan. We just pray that we would express that today, show that to all around, show what the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts is. May we spread it to each and every person and tell about that baby born in Bethlehem, all the wonder and the joy that it brings to our lives and forgiveness that it brings for all the things that we have done wrong. We thank you for all this, and we ask for safety and help and guidance throughout this coming day and throughout the week. Protect us all, be with us, bring us back, and help us to have hearts of worship. In your name, amen. 